If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now, go. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear, check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner, check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Come on for picture, first positions, everyone. Yo, go. And action! Hello and welcome episode 336 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking, from indie film to studio films and everything in between, how to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to F it up, in our very, very humble opinion. I am Giles Alderson, I'm a writer, director and a producer. And on today's show, we have Dexter Fletcher. Yeah, that's right. He is the director of the brand new Apple TV released film, Ghosted, which stars Chris Evans, Anna de Armas, Adrian Brody, Amy Sedaris and with some amazing cameos that I'm not going to spoil here. Uh, Ghosted is an action-adventure comedy movie written by Rhett Reese, uh, Paul Wernick, Chris McKenna and Eric Summers. Dexter Fletcher, if you don't know, was an actor. Started off when he was very young making movies, but he's known uh, especially for Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, Guy Ritchie's amazing feature that put him onto the map and all the boys in it as well. Dexter has gone on to make many, many feature films and TV as an actor, but... We had to talk about him as a director, writer and producer. And those credits include Wild Bill, his debut movie, which which starred uh, Charlie Creed Miles and Andy Serkis. And then he went on to direct Sunshine on Leith, which was a, a Scottish romantic musical. Uh, it was fantastic. Then he directed Eddie the Eagle, which starred Hugh Jackman and Taron Egerton, of course, uh, with Christopher Walken in there. I love that movie. So brilliant. Uh, And then he was asked to replace Brian Singer as the director on Bohemian Rhapsody, which he did. Uh, But he ended up getting an exec producer credit as the DGA rules only allow one person to be the director of any said movie, which is sometimes unfair. Uh, He then directed the fantastic Rocket Man Again, starring Taron Egerton. It is brilliant uh, fantasy musical drama based on the life of Elton John. If you've not seen it, you really need to see it. I'm sure you have. Those who are listening now, I'm sure you've seen Rocket Man. Stunning, stunning movie, and it really put Dexter on the map as a director that is brilliantly capable of making amazing films. He then did a little bit of TV with The Offer. It's the mini-series making of Francis Ford Coppola's The Godfather. And now 
he has directed Ghosted. So myself and Dom Lenoir sat down with Dexter and had a rather lovely chat. Uh, Dexter talked all about pitching and why even now he still has to pitch and why it's a good thing. It talks about making your first film versus making a studio film. What's the difference? How you respond to notes and deal with pressure. He also talks about why directing is a lonely job and why he still has to work harder and harder and gives you some amazing advice to go out there and make your films and TV as well. So thank you all so much to those who listened to last week's episode with Eben Bolter, uh, the cinematographer of The Last of Us. We got some lovely comments on that. And we have, because we recorded for an hour and a half, uh, there is quite a lot of bonus clips there on our Patreon page now. Go join it. Go support it. Support us and the podcast if you like this. Tell your friends for one thing. But then do go join uh, the Patreon. There's some amazing bonus material on there. And it just helps us grow and makes us feel nice and warm and cuddly inside. So, um, that's it. I am making a fashion advert this week, which is pretty full on and fun. And games, as you can imagine. So, I don't know who next week's episode is right now. I'm probably going to sort all that out on Sunday. But right now, I'm going to play you the trailer for Ghosted, and then you get to listen to Dexter Fletcher. Enjoy. I was just wondering if you wanted to, um, you know, go out sometime. You want to get a coffee? Now? <laughs> yes, now. Ugh. I'll just hang on. <laughs> when I wake up... Her name is Sadie. I mean, I know this sounds crazy, but I think she might be the one. Yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you. She really is great. You'll see. Any word? She ghosted him. I bet she hasn't even seen your text. She does travel a lot for work. Go to her. I'm going to London. Get it. It's a grand romantic gesture. Yeah, that is amazing, mate. 5,000 miles to surprise a girl that you've only met once, especially if she's the one who ghosted you. No, no, she didn't ghost me. She just doesn't have an international calling plan. Oh, right. Where am I? Oh, God. You, you have the wrong guy? I'm a former. Wait, wait. You got me kidnapped and tortured all after one date. I saw the rock. You're the one who flew to London. It was a romantic gesture. Didn't never occur to you that he could be a foreign asset trying to compromise your mission? I'm the boyfriend. Do you trust me? Is that a joke? Hey, Dexter, how are you, mate? Giles Anderson. Alderson. Alderson. Yeah, Alderson. I get Anderson all the time, to be honest. Mr. Anderson. Yes. Oh, of course. You do look like a, a, a computer-generated Matrix-type person. Thank you. It's all written all over my face. It's the zeros and ones that pass yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm so advanced. He, yes. He does like to inhabit those zeros and ones. Yeah, it is. The only way. This is Dom Lemoir. Uh, he's a fellow right director, as like myself. Hello. Funny anecdote to start, actually. I once drove you at home, Dexter, on, I think it was when We Still Kill the Old Way, uh, yeah. after the church scene many years <laughs> ago. So uh, there's a 
as a fun anecdote. Ah, must have been very enlightening driving me home all the way to East London. That's the one. It's a great story, the way you tell it. Oh, that is brilliant. <laughs> uh, you make that fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he does it every party, that one. Yeah. Pulls I that one it. out. It's your own one. <laughs> yeah. What happened? Nothing. I just Nothing. Him off. Dropped him off. It was lovely. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. <laughs> it was happy. And I, that's when I had a gun that shot round a corner. If I yeah, exactly. Yeah, and instead of getting out the car door, you climbed out the window. Anything, sunroof, sunroof just sunroof. Uh, yeah, I actually squeezed myself down the exhaust. Yep, yeah. <laughs> it was quite a feat. <laughs> Literally feet first. Um, Lucinda Rhodes Takara, who you know, was supposed to be joining us on this oh, one. Which, yeah, this is all our podcast. We do it together. We're all filmmakers, and we chat. And she's one of us. And right. um, lovely. So yeah, she's great. She, her husband's ill, so she had to literally take him to the hospital like now. Oh. So wonderful Dom stepped in. Oh, um, okay. Well, yeah. I hope he's okay. <laughs> I do too. I do too. I'm, 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 I'm average we... at best, if I'm honest. I, I meant oh. her husband. I know you think everything. Oh. I thought you were, yeah. I thought you were hitting, hitting with a joke. Absolutely well. Got I love, but no, we can make it about you, Dom. That's exactly. Fine. I love Great. how Dexter's already got your card, Dom. And straight away went, well, it's all about you. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, man. I really appreciate you taking time to chat. Of course. Of course. Really no do, really do. Like I say, this podcast is for filmmakers. We do it because we love to help other filmmakers as well. So it's all about advice and whatever you can give, you know, within that time. But yeah, um, I really enjoyed Ghosted. We'll start there first. Oh, you saw? You see? I saw it. I got a screener sent to me. Ooh, I know. It's not out till the 21st of April. In fact, when this drops, it's probably out by now. Oh, okay, um, great. On Apple TV Plus. Everyone's um, seen it on Apple TV Plus. Yeah, exactly. Oh, good, good. You enjoy it? Yeah, I did very much so. I thought the two leads were fantastic. Obviously, they're fantastic anyway. Um, they are pretty know, good. You know, yeah, you've added Amaris. And, uh, how do you pronounce I always never know how to Ames. pronounce De Ames. 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 Chris. Ames. Chris D'Ames yeah. and Anna Evans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just mix them up. I'll put that in the show notes for you. Yeah, it works. Anna yeah, Evans. Anna D'Ames and Chris Evans. Yeah, yeah. I think. That's what nice. I call her. She hasn't hit me yet, so it must yeah, be. So That's always a good sign. It yeah. is. What a decent cast. Look, you know, did this project Ghosted, was, did it come to you? Was it one of these that you developed for quite a while? You know, it's a big studio movie as well. Um, brilliant action in there. Beautifully well directed, by the way. Some really lovely okay. moments and movements with the camera. And really interesting to pull you in. It felt like a romantic comedy at first as well. And then it just the idea apart. Yeah, that's really nice. Working like that. Yeah, that's the idea. I mean, it's, it is a, well, I mean, it's a sort of multi-layered question in a way, but, but uh, yeah, the aim is to, to kind of wrong foot the audience or just sort of lull them into a full sense of security because there's so many tropes and, and kind of uh, genre buttons that you can push that, that, that people go, oh, okay, I know where I'm at. Okay. How's this keeping mm-hmm. me engaged? And then, all right, it all suddenly goes belly up. Um, uh, but but how it originally came to me, uh, I, I got sent a script uh, by through my agent in America, and I was working on a show called The Offer. Mm-hmm, love uh, that, by the way. What yeah. a show that was! Thank you. Yeah, that was good. That's a good show. That's a real yeah. show, well worth watching. So Delta, I was deeply yeah. ensconced. That was my first sort of LA kind of experience. Really, I, I uh, um, I, first time I'd shot there, so that was mm. great, and I'm, that was ticking along. But then, then this came to my agent, and they were like, "You've got to take this very seriously." It's Chris Evans, and it's Skydance and Apple, and mm-hmm. so I did. And I read it, and I just, I just saw what I thought was a great opportunity to, to kind of flip things a bit and, and play around with 
you know, genre. And I do like Chris Evans. I, I you know, mm-hmm. I think he's sort of underrated as a comedic actor. I, I've seen him some stuff that he's really made me laugh, and I and I like that. And so, yeah, he was on, and so I sat and chatted with him, or zoomed with him even. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they felt that that because of my sensibility with like Rocket Man and, and even Eddie the Eagle, mm. they was like, I, they thought I was an interesting choice. So that was good for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I and then I had to, you know, probably with several others, pitch my version of it. You still had to pitch. That's interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't okay. think they. I mean, you know, it's it's a big budget. It's hundred and fifty plus. So wow. I'd not though I'd made some sort of interesting, but I'd not handled that kind of money before, and certainly not action at that level. Mm. Uh, maybe a fight in a pub in Wild Bill, but other than that. Uh, so yeah, I had to, I had to, I had to sort of have some kind of sense of, of what I would do rather than just give me the money and let me run off into the hills. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah, I'll joke, I was joking. No, no, yeah. it was good for me. It's a good thing to have to do though, because you, 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 you kind of make all these choices and decisions or you start yourself on a mm. creative road, uh, uh, that, that you kind of adapt and either see through or completely change. But um, you know, he gave them an idea in the sense of what I would do, and they love that. And then I, you know, they like, can you get out of directing the last two episodes and come and direct this? Wow. So what, what were some what were some of the the sort of the choices that you wanted to pitch to them that was, was your like vision or your unique thing that you thought, okay, this is what's going to sell me the job, or this is what I can do that's you know unique to me. Well, I. I saw it as a huge opportunity, and aside from a really interesting dynamic in the relationship that, you know, I found it was very funny that uh, uh, that someone, a very high achiever at, at work, you know, i.e. Armas' character, suddenly has this kind of spare fifth leg to a dog turn up. You know what I mean? It's like a real, and I, I found that funny, and I, and I also found the idea of her finding really, you know, annoying, very funny. And so I liked mm. that. So that's why I talked about that a lot, I suppose, but also talked about the, the, the globetrotting aspect of it. How do we make it really feel like this guy who's never been anywhere suddenly is seeing the world in our, uh, seeing the world? And how does he navigate through that? How does he how does he suddenly start dealing with being in a market in a small village in Pakistan, you know, or a, a mid-sized town in Pakistan? And, and and so I suppose I talked about scale and vision and and how I I love to populate my my uh, projects with people as many as I can, which drives them crazy because they cost money, <laughs> time, and effort. Production value, though. <laughs> Production value, exactly. And then I just made it as I tried to make it as globe trotting as I could. So I suppose I spoke about that, but also about how this story, to my mind, didn't wouldn't would be much harder to achieve if you kind of set this very real tone with the meat cute, as the Americans like to call it. And then go off into somewhere complete bananas in in the action. So I, I wanted to keep the action rooted. So I spoke about Indiana Jones, you know, the first chase when he's on the horse and he's mm. chasing the truck, and and stuff like that. About how there feels like you know Indy is making it up as he goes along, and I and I think that that is the the kind of uh, charm and allure of that particular film. Because and like now it's like everyone knows where the punch is coming from, and and mm. he never knows where the punch is coming from, and I think that's what hopefully can separate a bit of the action that it's it's to not be ahead of it, to be in it, if you know what I mean. So I always mm. spoke about that, and and like romancing the stone as well, or even night yeah. run, 
or North by Northwest, mm-hmm. someone completely mistaken for who somebody else and just trying to figure out the fuck what's going on. I, I love that, you know, someone. <laughs> so I suppose I was talking to that about those sort of things and Evans was like just bouncing up and down because that's, you know, he, he, that's what he wanted to do was 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 pulled a rug from under Captain America, I think. Mm. Mm. And it really does work. And what you and really fascinating there, you mentioned a load of films yeah. from, you know, 80s maybe early 90s and and previous which kind of says a lot of these type of films don't often get made anymore and i think that's really interesting because i like say i really like this film Mm. i thought it was really fun i like the way it turned on its head that you thought a certain character is going to be a certain way and they weren't and you know and chris to play that kind of a role where he's a bit useless Mm -hmm. he doesn't know how to handle these situations was fantastic Mm -hmm. and really fun and the 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 chemistry between the two of them was amazing Mm -hmm. how did you handle because you said you hadn't done that much action except that punch in Wild Bill, etc. Um, though, to be fair, there's quite a few brilliant moments in a lot of your films where there's a, I would say there's a lot of action, uh, though you, people might not say it's action. Right. Um, but, I, the, the, you know, mm-hmm. for Rocket Man for one with all the dancing, there's so much action going really? on in there, the choreography of all that. But I get your point. Yeah. This is very much explosions, punches, yeah. fight sequences. Did it? How did you find that? How did you navigate that? Um, because that is, it, like you say, it is different. You're dealing with stunt teams. You're dealing with stunt coordinators. Well, what was your process? That, that I mean, well, I suppose you know there is. That's where the, the crossover comes. Is like with with Rocket Man, for example, and 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 Eddie to a degree. You have to lean into experts who know more about or know about it, and, and trust mm. that. Trust them, and 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 so I, I found this second unit guy who I really like called Garrett Warren, who who has one eye and and, and, and an eye patch, and and is you know a bit crazy in the best way, sort of like every idea is possible kind of guy. Yeah. And he works a lot with James Cameron, and 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 he, he was out in in Australia, I think, or shooting with Cameron. Anyway, I just loved him, and so I would give him a shopping list, as it were of stuff that he would go and shoot up in second unit, but also we would devise uh, pre stunt visits, you know, of, of, of certain moments like on the jet and, and, and the bus mm. was previsd and, and that was a new world for me. So I was starting to see stuff before it, we, we put it, commit it to camera. So ideas could take, take shape and I could spend time with them, but it's like choreography with the dance numbers, you know, that they go off and they choreograph and you come and, and I don't know dance moves. What am I going to say? I'll make them do a jeté there. That'd be good. <laughs> if we could, if we could throw in a bit of fucking Running Man. Or yes, please. It'd be like a robot. Yeah, here, a robot there. They'd be like, you what? <laughs> so I can suggest musical styles and things that I like, or give equivalents of of things that I I, I would respond to. But but then you, yeah, you kind of it's collaborative part of it. But I think it it mm. feels like that's part of my my. Uh, kind of background being an actor you know you're you're in an ensemble you're in a you're in a collaborative process so i'm i'm all good for that i mean my favorite phrase is i know what i don't know you know which means that i understand what other people do know and and i'm really happy to sit in the middle of that and and look like and just take all the glory (laughs) do you do you find it uh, easy or, or a challenge in terms of trying to work the performances into all those stunts and all those you know those kind of choreographies Hmm. Um, I don't find Cause it because everyone's everyone's so focused, aren't they? On like, okay, we've got to do this move here. Mm. The camera's got to be here. Safety, yeah. safety, safety. Yeah. Like, does it does it kind of, of take terror, care of itself because they're focused on what they're doing? Or, uh, 
Yeah, I suppose there is a separation between them because that that you are you you go from a bit of dialogue into into the action. I, I don't know. I didn't notice that being hard. I mean, I suppose the the the, the stunt stuff is hard when when you when, when something's not working. You know, it mm. has to be worked. And and although it seems like it's meticulously worked out, you can get it on the set or on the day, and it don't work, and you have to pivot on that. But then you've got someone like Chris Evans who's really experienced, or Arna, who's mm. super game. I don't, know, I, I don't know. I think it was always in the fabric of this. Mm. Project, you know, it was always you know them on the on the bus arguing. Mm. Uh, it, it's just so integral to the whole thing of it that he's sort of he's discovering this incredible woman who has depths and skills beyond anything that he ever imagined. He's, mm. it, yes. So, so it's kind of written I, into the material and and how you're planning it, I suppose, as a whole. Yeah, yeah, it was always in the previses that they would, you know, it was bad animation of characters up, 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 you know, goldfishing, and, and, and then and then the dialogue written underneath. But I think it was really important that that for this, I was saying about because we're sort of in the action, trying not trying to be ahead of it. No one's anticipating things. Kind of gave it an immediacy that 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 mm. that works with that dialogue, and, and if you know what I mean, that relationship building. I always want. Mm. I always want that. That those. It's like a dance number, you know. It's like mm-hmm. a great friend of mine, Matthew Bourne, came and saw an early cut of Rocket Man. He's a great choreographer, mm. and, and he said about a particular piece, he's like, I don't know why that dance is happening. Why is it happening? And it's a really good question because you go, oh, and there's a dance here, and so you put in mm. dance, but then you go, yeah, mm. fuck, what motivates it? What mm. I know it's a musical, and people are going to sing and dance. Mm. And so, so it, it it changed things a little bit, but it's a, and I think it's got to be the same for the action as well. You know, why is she driving that fucking bus the way she's mm. driving it? I think um, I think you've hit on such an important point across like every aspect of film, which is motivation. I mean, like when I was learning to work with actors, like that was the the big sort of realization is if if someone's doing something and it, there's no reason for it and it feels like there's no reason for it, or if they're doing something in the story and there's no reason for it. That's when you lose your audience. If you can get the motivations and and it's there at the right level, everything else falls into place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and, and people understand it on a very you know uh, a sort of human level, really instinctively, really quickly. It's just when it's like, but if you say you're going to call the police, you either do it or you don't. You know, you, I don't know. There's got to yeah. be something that yeah, there's got to be clear. There's got to be clarity. Why and, and yeah. And yeah, and actors want that. And I, I find that I do a lot of that groundwork first of all, so that when you get to the scene, you can concentrate on what's happening in the immediate. You don't have to think about the backstory and the how oh, your dad didn't love you enough or your mum, you know, macked you for eating the strawberries or whatever, you know. <laughs> you don't want the DP to be stood there or the camera person holding the camera and you're there talking about, you know, what happened in 1939? Do you remember? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really? Right. You couldn't yeah. have done this yeah. earlier? Exactly. You know I mean? Right, really. Right, really. Big Apple. budgets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rehearsal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, I need to get some lights. Where am I going to put them? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, How do you compare doing something as big as Ghosted when you go back to something like Wild Bill with your, you know, debut movie in that sense? How, you know, you're comparing the two, but yet it's, would you still say it's the same thing, but just on a bigger scale? How would you describe that for our listeners? I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's the most straightforward answer, but I suppose no, because the, the, you know, the thing about something like Wild Bill and the luxury of Wild Bill and and making your first film, and I don't know if it's unique to my own experience. I suspect it isn't, but but I 
had a movie that was pitched at a certain level, a certain price. Mm. Someone went and got me that money and went, here you go. You you go do it. And I'd co-written it and I'd got all my mm. friends to be in it. There's not a person mm. I don't know personally. <laughs> uh, uh, um, and I kind of had an autonomy in a way that I've never experienced since because that, those producers were very uh, trusting and I'd had I had this wealth of experience already behind me, and they were like, "It's your baby, it's your thing," and it was working. And um, and long as things are working, you get support. You know, as long as the dailies are coming in and everyone's in there, and then you know things would fuck up, and you'd pivot and make it work or whatever. So, mm-hmm. and I and so that was good. But so as soon as you start working for a studio because that wasn't for a studio we made it and then mm. sold it afterwards that was the beat of it universal bought it afterwards uh, mm. um but when they go okay you're doing a film for fox you got fox's opinion you've got all those mm. things. and that's yeah. that's the big difference sure the money can make things easy to be like i want this there and then and can we all fly out to germany and look at a ski slope of course you can mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um and you can do all of that um uh but you're dealing with with tough with a tougher situation more 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 voices more more opinions that, that mm. to... it's interesting i think a lot of our filmmakers have come on this and i felt the same way you're never as free as your first film you yeah. might be shitting yourself more than yeah. any other film yeah. but you're never as free to just go well whatever happens happens yeah, yeah. And you don't realize it until it's too late this is great Everyone, yeah, fantastic. This is really fun. I'm going to make the day really good. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. You don't have so many long nights of like looking at cinema, like, fuck, what am I going to have to deal with tomorrow? Yeah. This How am I going to deal with that exactly? Yeah. What am I going to say to respond to that situation? How am I going to get this part of the edit that I really want in to stay in? You know, all that kind of stuff. You've heard it's that sleepless night stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and stuff that you can, you know, that you've kind of got in your head. Now people like, they want to see it before. They have mm. to. the stakes are higher. Yeah. They're like, this is fucking millions of dollors. Yeah. How good you say, oh, God, it's us. Don't worry. It's like, show us. Tell yeah. us. Is that. Is that part of your process when you sign on to a big movie like this? Is it is it you just sort of take it and you understand, all right, I'm working with Skydance, I'm working with, a, you know, another studios. I, how is that is that okay i'm gonna have to take that as or is it do you do you think about having those conversations up up front and think well what's my what's my process in the edit how much am i giving away you know that that kind of um deliberation uh i I suppose you yeah you kind of you just get wiser to it i mean hopefully you don't get jaded by it but you just get wiser Mm -hmm. like okay maybe in the long and you try and i suppose i suppose if you can counter it early enough if you you know uh, that, that then then you can save yourself trouble down the line, but there's always going to be something, you know, there's, there's what they call in America, low hanging fruit. You know, there's something mm-hmm. going to go for. And there's like, Oh man. And there's other things they go for that are massive. That are like, okay. Yeah. You just sort of, and you just find ways of handling, you know, as an actor, you're, you're aiming to please everybody, which is mm. and a thing. But as a director, that's like, you've got to please you and you alone for the greater good, which is a much more difficult thing to navigate around. You're going to be like, I'm telling you, this is the way to do it. And and mm-hmm. sometimes that can get borne out and other times not, you know. It's having justifications ready, isn't it, to to go with what your vision is and, and say, you know, this is why this has to work and you've got to be prepared and do your homework. 
Yes, and, and and also being able to counter the justifications that they're going to give you because it's not mm. like they're going to come to you and go, oh, I like it that way, you know, mm. or or, or mm, that's what I want. They're going to be like, we've looked <laughs> at the data, we've looked at the algorithms, there will be all sorts of stuff they're going to show you, or we know what we're talking about when we say this, that person mm. cannot be that way. And you go, well, I think it's a risk and a gamble. We take it and we, you know, mm. that ain't stuff they're going to want to hear. You have to, you have to have, Yes, yeah, smart arguments to come back, which I don't always have. I, I respond emotionally and then I go and talk to my clever wife mm. and say, calm the fuck down. What do you mm. achieve? What's important? Mm. I, I need that that external voice uh, as well. That's interesting. I was going to, what question I want to ask you is how do you deal with those situations, the pressure situations? Mm. What is it you do? And it sounds like you, your wife is a brilliant uh, help to you. But yeah. what is it when, when maybe you can't and you're in the yeah. middle of it all and something goes wrong and you've got to just deal with the situation? How do you as a director go, right, I've just got to focus and get this done without shouting and screaming the place down? What's your process? I'm not shouting and screaming. I, I, I step away. I take a glass of water. I try and work through the problem, you know, and then mm. uh, ask myself what it is that they're trying to actually, what, what it undoes. And what the arguments for not allowing that to happen are. And, you know, you, you understand I'm going to be able to get it to a certain point and either they're going to listen to that reason and that that logic or they're going to keep pushing it and then you get into a different stage of it. It's like, okay, how do we test it? How do we put what you're saying up against what I'm saying and, and see how it goes? But but it's a lonely job. You just It's lonely, you know, because, mm. because at the end of the day, the decision comes down to you. And, mm. and even the decision of like, okay, I'm going to let it go and lose this argument. That's the decision mm. to be made yeah. or not going to, you know, and then, and then it can get taken away from you, the decision, which is really fucking hard. You know, when mm. the decision gets taken away, you're like, that, that's, that's, that's why I could imagine people completely lose their minds. I mean, there's yeah. certain things that, yeah, you just can't win, but, but it's, it's uh, uh, not for want of trying. You, you just have to take yourself out of the situation because when you feel mm. the the emotion rising, that's counterproductive. It can't. It can't yeah. Yeah. yeah, take taking time out is such a, a valuable thing. If you can wait till the next day to write that email, and that you know time allows you to, it's it's such a valuable thing rather than like responding in the moment and you know getting caught up mm. in, in it all. Yeah, I agree. I suppose the, the you know the flip side is you've got these studios and they have got this wealth of knowledge so it's it's an asset as well to be yeah. to be utilized no exactly it's not to say like only your ideas are good that's what i was saying i know what mm. i don't know i mean i was like okay i'm prepared to give that a try i'm i'm, I'm willing to take the argument on board you know mm. has your process with actors changed much from going from like well bill uh, up to something like this in terms of like the prep um you know how you talk about the role maybe before you're shooting those kinds of things or is it is it kind of similar uh, what the 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 prep building up to these yeah moments. yeah like sort of character development and you know talking about the character the rehearsals no, that, that, that evolves hopefully that, evo- that, that evolves with you as as you make bigger you know you get into bigger bigger canvases you know you know it's, it's an incredible experience and um and and as that experience gets bigger and more complex and more involved and allows you to to expand your imagination and, and your vision, then then you no, know, you've got to you've got to be able to evolve with it. I think, the, the, and then otherwise, if you think you've got it all pegged, you'll probably end up in a in a sticky situation. You know, uh, no, no, that's part of the thrill of it. Is like th- there is no limit to it, and equally, I imagine even if you go, it, 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 you know, you you sort of choose to do something 
that's a lower budget. You know, you've got to you've got to be able to adjust as well to that. It's about being adjustable, I suppose. Uh, but mm-hmm. but I mean, look, you know, the filmmaking essentially is like uh, uh, the, the the combustion engine, isn't it? It's essentially the same process. It has been for hundred and twenty mm. odd years. You know, it's not. I mean, okay, now it's digital and now there's electric. But but you know, for, for a long time that process was the same. There's there's the core elements that are there. But every time it's different because you're creating something new around those core, those core elements. Um, so yeah, I, I suppose I, I just I always feel like I've got to work harder, work harder, work harder, work harder, be more prepared, but work work harder, work harder, because the opportunities are great and, and immeasurable. That's really interesting. Yeah. And, and for this film as well, you, you're talking about sort of spontaneity. Did you did you avoid doing much rehearsals and, and no. over talking about stuff? Or was... Oh no, no, no. I, but I think spontaneity can come through having a really good foundation of rehearsals. I, I, mm. I mm. you know, look, that's going to give the freedom to start saying like, if you do all of that groundwork and that history before, you don't have to be talking about it on the day like you were saying. You know, uh, mm. so that, that you don't want really to talk about it then. You you that you build that character and then yeah you, you can be spontaneous and you can say to Arnold Armes ask him if he's comfortable when he sits in your lap and it comes from a place that is really rooted in that character and becomes really mm. funny it's just a funny idea a funny line that you can throw in or they can say I could say this here that'd be great and mm. it it gives you that freedom and, and equally is like we got nothing let's rely on the script let's do that that's great that's, i was yeah. waiting for a reason it's good <laughs> yeah make it work you know um mm. but you, you impro is the hardest fucking thing in the world it's mm. the hardest thing in the world if you haven't got any foundation behind it because the best impro is when you can just improv yourself and you can't really impro yourself in a film because you're playing a character it's really different mm. I, you know, mm. Thing that I grew up in doing uh, 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 with Anna Schurz, you know, the impros there were great, but we were just playing ourselves, you know. So that's why they were rooted in art and what we were what we were experiencing ourselves. Interesting. You, you get that onto a set, and it's it's much more complicated because here's a hat, here's a costume, here's a different character. Put the you know here's an environment, mm. um, and uh, so I'm a little wary of, but I do love spontaneity. I do love that. Mm. Hi, I'm going to whisper some things to you now about crunch chocolate bars because apparently this whispering thing is a thing that makes you feel things. It's saying something crunchy is coming in the candy wrapper language. Mm. Imagine your tongue hiking up those crispy rocky ridges. Now, drum roll please. Wow, that's good. Crunchy munchy chocolate doesn't whisper. Turn up the fun with crunch. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's. 
did you always know you were going to direct? Was it something? Because not you know you know well established actor with Lockstock, Layer Cake for me. Press Gang was brilliant when I was a kid. Loved it. You were great in it. Um, was that? Did you even know back then? Was that you kind of going? Ah, I've got this itch to direct, or was it because you were just doing so many films? You're like, I can do this. No, I, no, I, I, I don't think I ever consciously, I thought maybe I was just sort of inadvertently or, or subconsciously skirting around the edges of it. Mm. Uh, and maybe it was, I mean, it really built, Wild Bill came about because I gave a producer a script who made the assumption that I wanted to direct it. And I just wanted to get it made. I'd just written it with a mate and I just wanted to see it made. I didn't, mm. I wasn't like, here's this and I'm going to direct. She just said, right, okay, and you're going to direct it. And I knew that, when she asked that question that to get it made, the only I had to say yes. So I said yeah, and I not really and, and I directed, you know, acting workshops for many years with my older brother Graham, and we'd been doing that sort of in this very sort of sort of uh, offhand way. Every Monday we'd go to Jackson's Lane Community Centre with a bunch mm-hmm. of mates and do acting workshops, and it was very haphazard. And we but we did it for years and years uh, mm. when we weren't getting much acting work. Um, it was to sit with keep ourselves going. So I suppose I'd been doing it in a way, but but I'd never. And then once she said that about Bill, and she was, went and got the money, mm-hmm. and then I thought, well, I could be this person, that person, and then I started thinking about it. Then I then it fucking caught me, and and mm. and and my cousin who worked at TV was a producer. I said oh, I got this thing about a house and estate, and she went, Oh, there's an empty tower block in Newham that you can rent the whole floor. Wow. If you go and ask to Newham Film Council, mm-hmm. that's so I just went there with my brother. We even before we really had anything in place and they took us there and took us to the 19th floor of a tower block in Newham that overlooks the Olympic site. It was, as it was being built. And they said, Oh yeah, you can have all six flats. You can use that as your production office. And that as wow. your, yeah, that is your green room. And this is your chamber. And that's, so I was like, fuck. So the, it became a <laughs> fortuitous thing. So, and it overlooked the Olympic Stadium, which then became a metaphor for the film. Yeah. Kind of yeah. formed it all. Yeah. You know, it was like this. And then I was like, ah, oh, I'm brilliant at this. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's a great debut, like to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen some debuts. It's a classic, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a classic film. It's really good. Oh, yeah. And you were like, right. I'm, honestly, was at that moment, though, where it wasn't like, oh, I'm brilliant at this, like no, you're mocking there. But of course, there's that moment of, I really love this. Yes, mm. that, that was the point. I really love this. Especially when I got Joe mm. Rich, when the DOP, who who mm. could, could see it and tell me things that I'd never thought about. I was like, oh, there's a screen, there's a there's a, there's a scene on the top of the roof where Bill's talking to his kid, he's caught him, and we would yeah. scattered it all out, and it was beautiful up there. It was a beautiful, clear mm. day. We scouted it and went back. And then the day we came to shoot, the morning we came to shoot, it was really overcast, and there was, <laughs> it was like, you couldn't see everything. I was like, it's fucked. And he was like, it's so good. I can't tell you how fucking brilliant he wow. is. And now when I watch it, I was like, he's so right. It's great. Yeah. The depth that it gives it and the, and the, and the mysterious kind of nature mm. of where they are. Mm. It's just, it's just those great things that you just learn along the way. Or he would just go off and do a shot from underneath a tower block that I would just come back and use and find. I learned more about transitions on that than, than anything. You know, it's sort of like this, this word that is banded around. Talking of transitions, look, Rocket Man. Well, before we we uh, uh, you know we know you've got to move on. Mm. The transitions in Rocket Man. Mm. Some of this stuff is just delightful. Your one take stuff that looks certainly looks one take. Steady cam dance numbers. Yeah. Honestly, it blew my mind. I remember watching it in the cinema, just go, oh my. 
my God, that is good. Right. It was just electric and beautiful. Mm. I, I take it you planned all that. Is that, and where did it come from to go, right, I'm going to do it this way? Because people often didn't do musicals like that unless it was the old school, just wide shot no. dragging along. This yeah, is yeah. exciting. I think that was stuff. it. I think I love musicals myself and I watch them, but and I do when I go back and see them and I, and I, I go, oh, fuck, it's just, they've just locked it off and here they go. And, and it's great. And every, there's long running, there's a tradition of, of big long shots in musicals because mm. they rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and they could do it. Yes. And we, we, we reach for that. But also when I did Sunshine on Leith, I made mm. conscious effort to deconstruct it there as well because it was all set in a family home or just mm. out in a, you know, on a street and stuff like that. So it, I kind of borrowed from that, if you like, you know, there's, I sort of lent back in, into the finding the unusual ways to shoot the the musical numbers there. There's not so I don't know, but yeah, we did. We built. We had the set. We had things laid out, and like and some we knew were going to be big, long, you know, connective transitions, and, and others were just people sitting around a dinner table, sort of singing about their inner voice. You know, the great thing. My wife works in opera. She was like the. You know, the the aria is the inner voice. That's what the beautiful moment of the aria is in the opera, when the inner voice speaks, and it's not about the facade or or the, or the character you portray to the world. It's about what's going on inside. And that really unlocked a lot of things for me as well in terms of the musical. I try to treat it actually more a bit like an opera. <laughs> Sounds a bit grandiose, <laughs> but you know what I mean? That, 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 mm. that you're like, oh, we're really... We're not just like, hey, I'm happy and I'm moving around. You know, it's sort of like, oh, fuck, yeah. I'm her. So, yes. Yeah. Did uh, you have to be careful about your choices? Um, like, you know, you were on a bit of a roll. Things were happening, mm. you know, um, moving forward from Sunshine on Leaf. People were like, oh, God, th- this this guy actually can do it. It wasn't luck yeah. with his first film, Wild Bill. Right, right. Were you then going, I- I've got to be careful. I've got to think about what I'm doing with Eddie the Eagle, for instance. You know, Hugh Jackman in there. It's again, yeah. uh, Taron again. Yeah. But did, were you thinking at that point, ah, it's my third film. I've, I've got to got to really think about what i'm doing next of course yeah yeah you have to but that's the second choice was the big one really that's why you know sunshine on leith was the, was a good choice because uh, you know i went from that kitchen sink drama to 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 a musical although it's kind of kitchen sinky a bit as well but mm. but i think it just maybe we go oh it's not all just gangsters and and drugs and and right fights mm. in pubs yeah. it's it's yeah. heartfelt human stories and 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 again with eddie you know that was a really good opportunity. And and, and what you, you have to consider is like, here's a good opportunity to work with some amazing people. Matthew Vaughan produced that. Film. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, to have Matthew yeah. go, I've got this film with Taron. It's a biopic and, and Hugh Jackman is going to be in it. So, mm-hmm. you're right. That's a fuck. How do I right. that work? You've got to, you know, I'm not knocking out screenplays every weekend. I'm not doing mm. that. I have to read them and go, how do I make this good? All I want to do is make it good. That's all I want to do. Right. I watch it. Make it good. <laughs> Don't outstay your welcome. Get the yeah. fuck out. Keep it entertaining. But 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 that was then, you know, but then Eddie bumps into Rocket Man, you know, because mm. that and, and I was already tied into Bohemian Rhapsody because after Sunshine and Leith, they wanted me to do Bohemian Rhapsody, but it fell apart wow. at Sony. Mm. Right. <clears throat> but when they had trouble when it was at Fox. Mm-hmm. And, so the front and said, will you come back and finish it? And Matt Vaughan went, yeah, yeah, go and do it. Go and see what they're doing. So I took a break from Rocket Man. <laughs> what, what, was, what were some of the biggest challenges of moving from the UK industry to American industry? Because there's a lot of filmmakers over here that want to make that leap. 
Was there was there much different in terms of the you know the way things work on set? The you know the, just the the whole ethos. Yeah, there there is there there is. I mean, I, I don't know. It feels more like okay. It's going to sound like maybe a crass thing to say, but in America, it's more of a business. Where in England, it's a mm. cra- it's a craft. You know, yeah. and, and and that's the only sort of how I can equate it. It's it's fine doing business. Business is great. You you know, it's it's look, it's the pinnacle of it. It's you know, who doesn't want to do it? But England, it's like yeah, it's it's more of the craft element comes into it. You know that 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 uh, you know everyone's works their way to where they are. It's the same in America, but they're they're much more kind of like driving. They're bullish, I suppose. Is the yeah is, yeah. yeah. Raise, you know, it's like when I was when I was setting up on the offer, I spoke to Al Ruddy, who's the producer of The Godfather, yeah, on the Academy yeah. Award, and he said, "Oh, hey, kid, I heard you uh, you did that Bohemian Rhapsody," and I went, "Oh, well, you know, I, I helped them finish it, I helped out," and he went, "Oh, you're yeah. fucked in Hollywood." I said, "Why?" He goes, "Listen to you." He said, "You said I helped out on it when they were having trouble. If you was American, you'd be like, I fucking saved that movie. It was on its ass, <laughs> it was fucking dying, and they needed yeah. someone, and I came in and saved it, and it won Oscars and made billions. Mm. That's what you got to say." And I was like, "Ah, oh, right." And that's the difference, you know, because we're like, "Oh no, you know, no one gives yeah. a shit." In America, <laughs> you go like, "I fucking did it." <laughs> so I, that's what I do now. I just tell everyone I'm amazing. Yeah, and it's hard to do that. We could all course. learn to do that in England. Yeah, it's then, true. Like, we we struggle yeah. with it massively. Listen, yeah. they're literally telling us to wrap up. But um, uh, yeah. found a bit well, of advice for filmmakers out there. So cool. just that, what what would you sort of say to them right now? I'm sure you get this boring question all the time, but uh, we love it. It's so hard. Fuck it. I d- yeah, I mean, write it, write it, write it, and you know, and I, I don't know. It's 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 there to be enjoyed I, I, it's it's really difficult because everyone's going to happen into it in their own way but um i look uh, you got to work hard i've acted for 40 years before i got my opportunity so it's wow. 40 years making so i don't it's not like i know it seems don't... like it's easy but but i, I started at 6 and then and then it, it took mm-hmm. me 40 years to get there so uh, it's going to be hard work but um you love it keep going do it yeah, yeah keep I love going. it you're amazing. amazing. Next time I drive you home, I expect you to jump out the window yeah. and be on yeah, fire be. or something. All <laughs> right, I'll roll Good. out the door. Action star. <laughs> yeah, action star. So we got a story, Dexter. Exactly. Make it interesting. Give Dom a story. Dom, <laughs> make me interesting. For fuck's sake. Yeah, please, please. Say so he did a speech from Hamlet or yeah, something. Exactly. Jesus yeah. Yeah. Christ! <laughs> well, I didn't. I didn't tell all the story, but that, <laughs> that's what I. <laughs> Thank you so much, buddy. All the best. Bye, guys. Bye. Awesome. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Dan. All right, take care. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Wow, uh, that was Dexter. That was... Inc- Disclaimer, because there was a little bit of confusion <laughs> at the start when I came in. So my my headphone jack was, was doing, like, complete Ooh. digital noise, so I couldn't actually hear anything that Dexter was saying, so I was kind of... <laughs> So you wait to, get to be silent anecdote. to then jump in with a question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, so there was a bit was of confusion like, in terms of what was going on with with Lucinda's Lucinda's uh, situation <laughs> and the uh, anecdote, etc., etc. Et throw so that out there. Just throw throw it that out there. there. I had I had like robot yeah. noise coming through but, my my headphones, but. Hopefully it will, will make sense when I listen to it because I, I didn't hear what he's... Um, I love chatting to Dexter. I've, I've wanted him to get on for ages and uh, yeah, yeah, Lucinda's managed to sort that out. I think that's really, yeah, really thanks, cool. Thanks, Lucinda. Uh, yeah. Um, met, met Lucinda's dad yesterday at a screening as well. There you go. Yeah, Martin Neely's screening of his short film. 
Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Mark Martinini. Yeah, absolutely. Big shout out to Make Your Film alumni as well. Yeah, speaking of which, I hope you enjoyed the Make Your Film event, the Filmmakers yeah. Podcast present Make Your Film event the other night. At London Independent Film Festival. We will do another one soon, won't we? Yes, 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 I'm sure we will. Uh, look, I, I got so much out of that. I could have spoken to him for so much more. But what yeah. I really liked yeah, yeah. was him talking about pitching, even at his stage, you know. So, so you go from literally doing Rocket Man where you're the toast of the town and you still got a pitch on movies. Yeah. Um, I, I, that says it all, right? I like that in a way because I, 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 like, I feel like that's the kind of accountability that, that keeps <laughs> directors like good and on their toes, like even yeah. when they do get famous. Yeah. You know, and not become the sort of megalomaniacs that blow like you know billions of dollars on yeah. on on crazy films that haven't been thought out. So, so in in a weird way, I mm. kind of I think it I think it'd be a nice thing to to have to pitch and like. I agree. You know. Well, you also then realise if you want to do it, getting a blank check on yeah. something. Hey, come and do this hundred and fifty million pound movie. It does put a different mindset on it. Whereas you actually go, mm. I, I'm going to pitch on this. Let me see if I can actually. How would I do it? And you get passionate mm. about it. That's yeah. when you you should be making the film. Yeah. So cop- yeah, I agree. The nerves as well. I agree, but I just found it fascinating. I didn't think that would be a thing for someone like yeah. Dexter Fletcher to yeah, still yeah, have well. to pitch on this kind of a movie. Um, but yeah. he obviously did it well. Um, I, oh, I also really liked how he said it's a lonely job, you know, and, mm, um, so lonely. Uh, yeah, so, so lonely. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, what, it, you know, that, that going from an actor to a director, you know, how, how that felt for him. Uh, yeah, yeah. great guy. Great. Uh, listen, I, I've seen all his films, um, for some yep. like director and I just went through them before knowing he was coming on. So went, mm. Oh God, I've seen them all. Yeah, and it's wow. so it's not that often you do with someone as well established as that that you have seen every single one of them. Yeah, yeah it's nice, just, isn't it? It's, it's just nice. really cool guy, brilliant. You know that British indie scene just just blew it up with some absolute cool yeah. ass films. It's that um, kind of British indie fun, wacky, brilliant energy that's mm. just been carried through into into Hollywood, really. Yeah, uh, and done a good job of it. Very, very good job. It's interesting, isn't it? Quite a lot. The lock stop gang you know still riding high still doing really well still making movies a lot of them it's a huge film but still all right look um i hope you've enjoyed this um this has been i enjoyed it yeah no thanks for (laughs) jumping in last minute why not (laughs) five five minute five minute call five minute call you were literally called him up um uh, do you want to do a podcast with Dexter Fletcher? Oh, I could do. I've got stuff. I've got, you know, an edit to do. I've got this to do. When is it? Five minutes. <laughs> you went, yep, I'm in. Uh, yeah. So it's cool. It's Dexter. Right, we'll do it. Yeah, I'm glad I did. Yeah, I'm glad I did. Ghosted is out now on Apple Plus TV. On Apple TV Plus. It's brilliant. I yeah. really enjoyed this film. It's a proper throwback to those old 80s movies and it's twist. It's a flipped on its head premise as well. Um, mm. So definitely no damsel in distress in this film. I loved it. Well done, Damsel Dexter. causing distress, you might say. Yes, indeed. So, uh, yeah, go out there, make your films. Be inspired by Dexter. Look what he did. You know, he went out there and wrote something with a pal, got it made, and look where he is now, um, making 150 million studio movies. Yeah. yeah. Um, dollars. Maybe. You can do it too. And so can me and Dom. Right? Yeah. Even us. So, even <laughs> us. Um, so go out there, make your films, make it happen. And if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well as Dexter has done, it is your duty to send, send the, the elevator, elevator back, down. back down. We will see you next Tuesday. As always, when our guest will be announced then <laughs> on the podcast, because I don't know who it is, because recording this two weeks behind. Could be anyone. Could be anyone. Actually, could be could anyone. Could be you. <laughs> could be you. Imagine if it was. <laughs> Imagine yeah. if it was you. 
<laughs> that would be weird because you might not even know about it. I'll just call yeah, you up. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Suddenly you're on the podcast. You're on. Yeah. It's you. Your time is now. You. It's like basically like Squid Game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right, till next Tuesday, everyone. Take care. Go make your film. Make it happen. Bye-bye. Bye, Dom. Bye. Bye, everyone else. Bye.